Hello and welcome to yet another instalment of our Nucleus Wealth Insight series. Just a quick reminder that the following presentation is general information only and does not take into account your personal circumstances. Whilst Nucleus Wealth aims to present informing and sometimes entertaining content, please consult your investment professional, financial advisor, or better yet, speak to us before making any decisions based on any of the themes discussed in today's presentation. And don't forget that this is a live presentation, so feel free to drop any questions you like in the chat box below and we can answer them along the way. If you're watching this after the event, make sure you attend the next one so you too can participate in the live Q&A section of our presentation. Our presenters today include myself, Tim Fuller, a certified financial advisor who has worked with hundreds of clients over the years, helping to make the complex simple for companies such as AMP, Mercer and independent advisories. Sitting across from me, we have Nucleus Wealth's Head of Investments, Damien Klassen, whose 25 years in the world of finance has seen him as the founding partner and head of research at analyst firm Aegis Equities, head of quantitative strategy at Wilson HTM, and was responsible for mining energy and big data in the $60 billion global quantitative equity fund at Schroders, which are a multinational, multinational asset management company. And of course, for more information, please check out our people section at www.nucleuswealth.com. Yes, so hello and welcome to our next instalment of Nucleus Insights, um, and we've entitled this one, The Bat Has Fangs. So Bat being uh, some new entrants to the uh, the big wide world of tech in uh, Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent, uh, and we're going to be looking at all things growth stocks today. So I'm joined uh, uh, on the other side of the desk is uh, our Head of Investments, Damien Klassen. Welcome, Damien. Hi, Tim. And uh, let's jump into it. So we've got a quick agenda here. Uh, we're going to be having a look, uh, as I mentioned before, at the, uh, the the wide world of growth stocks and some info around um, just growth stocks in general. Uh, we'll then be having a look at some uh, research and uh, drawing on some of the research that Nucleus Wealth uh, puts out and has available for uh, every day, well, for clients that, that invest with us every day. And then we'll move on to uh, the topic of the hour being uh, the FANG stocks and, of course, the, the new entrance uh, bats. So let's kick it off. Growth stocks, Damien, uh, what have you got for us? They've been on a bit of a tear recently. Yeah, absolutely. So this, this graph probably underplays it, but um, you can sort of see this is a uh, sort of 15-year uh, performance for the uh, for world growth stocks versus uh, the MSCI world. And, and just to put that into context again, um, I'm not a huge fan of the, the MSCI's definition. They sort of um, bundle everything either into a value stock or a growth stock, and, and so... So you don't always see that the growth stocks actually do are displaying lots of growth, but um, that last what you usually find from a quant perspective over the long um, over the long term is that growth stocks generally tend to uh, perform sort of in line with the market and, and 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 even underperform the market over the long term. And the reason for that is generally that uh, people overpay for them. So uh, so the key thing you know I'll, I'll keep going back to a few times over this over this presentation is making sure that if you're looking at growth stocks, um, you can have the sexiest story in the world and, and earnings are growing and sales are growing and everything's all working for the company, but the share price goes down just because it was it was overvalued. Okay. And so and I suppose, stepping back, so, the, the, um, so a growth stock in comparison to, say, a value stock hmm. um, and things like that. So what would be, what, what's a, um, you know, what makes a growth stock? So it's obviously not a lot of earnings, uh, a great idea, 
or is it? Yeah, yeah, well, as, how, as a, how do you define it? As a broad sense for across all the stocks, the way the, way the MSCI defines it, which is probably the way most, uh, I guess, probably the the um, the most common definition. It's basically things that that aren't value stocks. Um, and and sort of fit in a few of these growth characteristics. So you can't you can't work out. You're looking at them and you're saying, well, this stock's expensive, and um, sometimes it's got you know some, a decent earnings profile growth, but yep. but it's basically there's there's not a good reason for it to be to be expensive, and so therefore people must be pricing um, growth into it. Okay, oh, so, so, it's a, so it's like a residual category. It's almost like a residual category. Yeah, the well. way the MSCI calculated, it. yeah. Uh, from from most most investors then come back to saying, well, we're looking for stocks that are going to grow, mm. and um, you know there's, there's sort of you get the two schools, you get the sort of Warren Buffettism um, sort of sits on, on one side, which is I'm going to try and find stocks at a good value and, and cheap and safety margins and things like that. And then uh, the other side says, no, no, I'm going to chase the growth stocks. I'm going to try and find the ones that are going to be, um, you know, the, the, the next um, Alibaba's and the next Tencent's and the next Google's and Facebook's. And, and they're the stocks where you get some fantastic returns out of them, you know, uh, hundreds and thousands of, of percent returns. Uh, usually, what the problem most people have, though, is that for every one that they get right, there's there's nine more that they got wrong that that mm. fell by the wayside. Okay. And and the the story I like to tell um, is of uh, the uh, all the search engines in the in the tech boom. Mm. Um, so back in two thousand um, and and, and pre two thousand, as the tech boom was going off. Uh, we had all these different search engines that all traded on massive multiples. Now everyone sort of knew that search was the key. Like we sort of, the analysts everywhere were sort of, you know, search is the key to the internet. Somebody whoever cracks this is going to be, uh, you know, is going to be the the company that's going to make all this money. And we had uh, Alta Vista, um, Yahoo, Excite, Lycos, there's all these names which are, are now sort of disappeared and, and not, not <laughs> gathering there dust. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were all trading on hundreds of times multiples, and and. Um, uh, obviously, we saw now that, that Google was the winner, and Google wasn't even listed. Didn't list till after the tech boom was all over and, and done. And the, you know, the, the, um, there, was, there was sort of 2003, I think, it, it finally actually listed. So, for all the fact that people were looking at these companies and going, "We, they're right, search mm. is going to be the winner," but the actual company that won wasn't even listed at the time. Mm. And so, um, you can sort of you can see where that's an example where people overpaid for this this growth that that just never actually came yep and they they got the the call right in terms of yeah they were right um you know as we can see from google's valuation is you, you get search right and 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 uh the world's your oyster but um finding those companies is, is more difficult than um than you think so mm. people tend to overpay for for ones they think are going to make it yep and then um so in the long term they generally tend to lose out okay sure i think oh, a great yeah. example there now coming back to, so so the last little bit of this which we can see that uh on this chart so there's basically in for 15 years it's either um a little bit underperformed but basically performed in line with the, the um the world market but this is last little um last year or two um we've really seen this divergence where growth stocks have taken off now the question there is saying well is this a new paradigm and you know we're into this whatever it is or is this just a matter of you know growth stocks running ahead and then, then they'll pull back and 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 so it's a sort of a late cycle type type play which you, you quite often see at the end of cycles that the growth stocks are the ones that really take off mm -hmm. and that's why we're sort of trying to focus on on these stocks this time to say well um growth stocks don't stay growth stocks forever and and then they eventually they merge into sort of higher quality or, or value stocks yep and so it's trying to get that pick that right time for, for that and, and, and work out whether this is just a, a late cycle blow off that we need to, you need to avoid these stocks or, or are some of them actually worth investing in? And just, excuse me, <clears throat> just while the, um, 
just finally on this on this chart here that obviously we can see that the growth stocks have underperformed in, in the GFC, um, whereas obviously now in this sort of you know, new normal, uh, you know, heady market conditions that we find ourselves in, they're, they're significantly outperforming. What's the what's the flip side? So they were just that the growth stocks were. Um, we're not backed as hard as, as the other sort of parts of the market. The, you know, the residuals weren't looked at before the GFC hit. Or would... uh, usually, they were the stocks that were actually um, that out, that were the you know, the high flyers uh, running into the GFC. The ones that, that had the most leverage to the to the um, to the growth. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it, it is also interesting. You know, the, the other bit is um, that line sort of goes from you know financial crisis happened in in two thousand and eight, and the market's up sort of um, whatever it is. 200 times, 300 times since then. And over that period, growth stocks were actually pretty much performed in line for, the, mm. for pretty much that entire time, except that last little period. Yep. Okay, sure thing. Fantastic. Um, and so I guess um, given uh, this is this last little period, is it is it now too uh, too late in the too cycle? Late. Yeah. So so this is just showing quickly the, the types of numbers you can expect in, in some of those. So you can you get a much lower dividend yield, um, almost, not quite half the, the dividend yield, but, but close to half the dividend yield. Uh, you pay up a lot more for these companies, so um, the uh, the price to earnings ratio is sort of twenty five times versus um, versus nineteen times in the broader market. And then if you look at forward PEs, so so what we're expecting next year, um, you're still talking to nineteen times uh, versus fifteen times for uh, for the broader market. So certainly, um, yeah, more more expensive and then the question now comes down to you know is it worth it so for some of these if you pay up and there will be definitely be a number of companies where um paying you know higher multiples for these companies it will be well worth it because they'll, they'll grow so quickly that that you won't care that you you overpaid slightly in in 2018 because by 2025 it's doubled or tripled um but the the, the lesson from history is for every one of those you find there'll be another whole bunch of companies that that you just way overpaid for it, it never got anywhere near the growth that was expected or disappeared <laughs> exactly yeah so so for me it's about saying it's not and, and and also for some of these it's it's not whether the company's going to be successful it's just that it's already priced for success mm, okay. and so there are a bunch of companies out there where where they still will double their profits and they'll double their sales and and things will you know be a lot better in in a few years time than what it is now but if that's already priced into the share price today um, you don't make the money over the uh, from from share price appreciation over the next few years. Okay, so. sure thing. Um, and then we'll chuck up uh, our uh, pretty stock standard, I guess, but one of my favourite graphs from Nucleus Wealth, our quality value scattergram. We might just take yeah. a moment to discuss this uh, or explain this before we, we yeah. dive into it. Sure. So so yeah, what I wanted to do is just give you a quick overview of how I tend to look at stocks um, so that you can sort of see, um, and, and then framing the, the, the FANG stocks plus the BAT stocks within that, within that framework. Okay. Um, so the key thing for me is, is trying to come up with uh, a, a measure of quality and a measure of value that, that I think is reasonable for across, um, across all stocks, and then ranking every stock within the, and I, I, we use the World Index, which is about 1,600 stocks, so all, all very large capitalization stocks. The biggest of the, of the blue chips, bluest yeah. of the blue chips. Okay. That's right. And, so, and then we rank them all between cheap and expensive, and then on another axis, we, we uh, on the y-axis, we we rank them between uh, high quality and, and low quality, and we basically then take a triangle from from uh, the bottom left, which is the the cheapest stocks and and the best quality. And so what that means is we're actually we're happy to pay pay extra um, for, for for very high quality stocks. So we're happy to even buy stocks that are a little bit expensive if they're mm-hmm. very high quality. Sure. Um, and on the on the other axis, we're we're happy to buy average quality stocks if they're very very cheap. 
And so then, and that then um, sort of adds that extra discipline for us as, as, as analysts to, to then, you know, when stocks move outside that range, basically, look, we have to sell it. It's, yep. You know, we like the stock, high quality and all that type of stuff, but at a certain stage, it's just too expensive to own. Yep, sure. Um, okay, so, yeah, yeah, thanks for that. That's great. And so getting into the, the next part then is um, on the research side is just remembering of those two measures that, um, that value is basically a bet that um, stocks are going to mean revert. So, uh, and what I mean by that is that stocks will get cheap, and then they'll once they're, once they're cheap for a little while, then eventually they'll they'll go back to average value. Or if or if stocks or if we're looking at a stock that is a high quality stock that's generally a little bit expensive, and it gets back to average value, that that it'll eventually go back to to being a, a um, yeah more expensive than the market. Okay, sure. Yep. Uh, and quality side, quality is the exact opposite, where you're actually saying uh, um, you're making a bet that this stock, once it's quality, will stay quality, mm. uh, and so the um, uh, yes, yeah, so so the, so the important part there is 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 remembering as we're looking at these factors and 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 we're and that we're we're assessing them both is not just a matter of saying well I found a stock that's really really cheap and looks like it's high quality is actually then to come back and say well what what a um, the assumptions I'm making behind that is that, is that the quality is going to stay where it is and then we have to challenge that and work out you know is the quality getting worse is it, uh, uh, market conditions changing and, and things like that so so just give us a couple of examples I guess one of, uh, of well although you could be anything I suppose as long as but, it's cheap <laughs> yeah so so, um, so so from a quality perspective uh, there's a, we, we look at a whole bunch of different measures um, we look at cash flow measures we look at balance sheet measures we look at uh, profit and loss type measures um, so a price to earnings ratio is, is probably the most common one people mm-hmm. see but um, the uh, probably more comparable we look at a lot of cash flow measures a, a lot um, but but it's 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 not a magic formula there's a, there's a spectrum of for everything so for us it's about saying uh, okay I can look at a stock and it comes up on my screens because it's really cheap and we'll, we'll see a, uh, one soon uh, yep. in this list it, it looks all right on, on on earnings multiples but then when you dig into its balance sheet and, and you dig into its uh, cash flows all of a sudden it looks a, a lot worse and so then you, we need to then challenge go well which is right is it the cash flow right or, or is it the profit and loss that's right well, who's you know which one of them's um, you know, got got the real answer behind it sure okay um, and the other thing to, to note is that um, oh I'm sorry the other example I was going to use was uh, uh, blackberry and and, um, and Nokia okay so two sort of Big phone manufacturers, mm. sort of top, top of the top top few stocks, um, and then and they turned um, both of them looked high quality all the way down, and they and because you, you know, if you if you use a backward looking, and mm-hmm. generally uh, analysts don't um, they tend to forecast you know up a little bit, down a little bit. You, they, they generally don't sort of take things and go, well, these guys are going to go from whatever you know thirty percent market share to ten percent market share or five percent market share. They, they don't make they sort of go, oh. I'm a little bit bearish. It's going from 30 to 29 or to 28. Like there's, and, and so on that basis, if you're looking at even looking at analyst forecasts, you can be looking at the numbers, saying, "Well, it looks cheap and it looks high quality." So you know, let's put, go out and put buy it, it in the mix. Yeah, okay. But but they're the ones where you need to be you know assessing, trying to assess as much as you can as to whether the quality's you know is going to change and, and is it uh, you know, is it a new paradigm for that stock? And so ultimately, ultimately, I guess with the um, with the quality piece, whilst the the quant metrics are coming up green light you've, you've then got to go okay well let's go down to the phone shop and see what people are actually buying essentially or is there a, <laughs> there's a and, and dig in well and, and and it's pretty rare we ever find that one company ranks well on every single metric that you've got sure um, okay yeah actually i don't i can't think of a, an example where i have found that yep um and 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 so there's there's almost always a negative somewhere 
and then it's now just a matter of actually saying digging into that negative and saying well is this a real issue or mm-hmm. is this something that's just a um you know a side issue and it's not going to make that much difference in the whole scheme of things and we'll, we'll see a few of those as we, as we dig into these okay sure actually on that note let's jump across to uh our first uh nominee or our first uh, deep dive so we'll kick it yeah. off with, with uh, apple obviously apple, yeah, yeah the biggest company in the world nearly a trillion dollars yeah that's enough. right big and big performance last night in yeah. terms of the um uh yeah up sort of four or five percent i think on, on the back of its earnings um apple for me is an interesting one in in that it's actually not that expensive. Um, it sort of sits on a uh, you know, roughly an average value in in terms of where it, where it sits, um, and and it's a quite a high quality stock. Um, the I've got I've got up a, a bunch of different uh, charts on these slides, and for anyone who who can't see them, uh, basically what what I do is show distributions of all the stocks in the market. Uh, and and where they sit, and then where Apple sits on on each of those metrics. So we've sort of got a quality measure where it is ranks very high quality, and a value measure where it ranks as sort of average value. Um, then I break those down and 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 look more at, at why why is it good quality, and it tends to be because the the forecasts are quite are looking quite good, and the trends in in growth all looks pretty good. Um, they get some they've got some excellent returns in terms of return on equity and return on capital and things like that. Uh, the quality of the earnings is quite good, so they've got quite high margins. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yes, I can attest to that. Every time my wife walks into an Apple store, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. And, and you know, we we uh, also had a uh, uh, we recently started a, a developer here who's uh, who's got <laughs> Apple stuff, and and you know, it's every every cable costs three times as much as the uh, tell me about it the equivalent cable. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, so. Um, the, the question for me, the big issue for me for for uh, Apple is, you know, will it turn into a Nokia slash BlackBerry at some stage? Mm. Now, I, I don't think so, but, um, you know, that, that's the key thing we, we're sort of always watching with this. So Steve Jobs is obviously no longer with the company and the question about has it still got its vibe and, and things like that. Um, the There is certainly weak demand if you if you're counting handsets for the iPhone X mm. uh, compared to other ones okay but it's it's way more expensive than than what you've seen and so uh, for me that's actually a pretty decent trade-off for Apple to be making is to say well I, we can either try and be try and sell as many handsets as we possibly can or we can try and carve out a niche for ourselves and be the the the, the premium player charge a lot more than, than others and, and take this extra margin for it. It's sort of the golden rule of business, isn't it? You do less work, but you charge a lot more and then for what you make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and but I think as well, there's a, there's, a, there's a spot for everyone, if you know what I mean. Like mm. we'll look at Amazon later, which is which has chosen to take the, you know, I'll sell as much as, much as I possibly can and, and take very low margins on it. Yep. Um, whereas Apple's taken the side of, okay, well, let me sell a little bit less and, and take some higher premium margin. And I think for Apple, that is a good strategy. Um for, so the the key for me will be watching to see uh, what the um, what they they manage where they start to lose some of that quality. That's that's where we're element, sort of yep. the, the key element saying okay maybe it is time to sell. At the moment um, you know happy and probably not not out there buying more of it at the moment. Um, it's one of the I think it, it is the largest stock in our portfolio. Um, yep. Done well, but uh, you know it's one of those ones where I'm not a, not keen to chase it. Okay. Uh, on on the negative side, um, you can see anyone who's looking at the graphs, um, looking at the value side, it sort of rates average as value. Now that, that's for a couple of different reasons. Firstly, on a on a value versus industry, it actually looks not too bad. So it is relatively cheap compared to its peers uh, within the industry, mainly because that sort of its industry is is a little bit expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the key negative though. Um, 
is its value versus its own history. Mm. And so uh, if you skip to the next graph... I might just uh, quickly say for those uh, that are that are listening on the podcast to come and uh, we'll set up some uh, PDFs of these slides. These are actually all taken from our uh, our client portal. So for current clients of Nucleus Wealth, if they... Uh, well, obviously, most of, most people own Apple in our portfolios. They can actually click on Apple and, um, and bring up this analyst report. Just sort of throw that in there. Um, but yeah, we'll jump across to the next one, Damien. Yeah, so so the bottom chart here I have uh, Apple versus the uh, the S and P five hundred for for price to earnings ratio. So just one of the many valuations we we look at, um, and we can see it's trading at about 0.9, so basically ten percent cheaper than um, than the market. However, it has traded a lot cheaper over the past sort of three years. Mm. So it's sort of at the at the top end of its range. So that's where I'm I'm saying you know from that perspective, um, you know the. It looks average value on most measures, a little bit, a little bit cheap on a few measures, um, and and the key negative is uh, it, it it is more expensive though than it's more expensive to buy Apple relative to where Apple's been trading for the last sort of three or four years. So yeah, so okay, yeah, I get it. And, yep, the, and the other the other negative um, I've got on the on the top chart is is this is a one which I tend to I tend to look at. Um, as a uh, as a rule, one of the first things I look at is this what I call the the EPS forecast history. So it's a very busy chart, um, but what it's what it's showing is there's there's a red line there which is showing the the next twelve months worth of earnings. So it's basically a rolling twelve twelve months. Sure. So every every day, uh, you get one more one more of next year's earnings and and one less of the the prior year's earnings, and and it sort of rolls forward. It also shows a transition of analyst forecasts, and, and so so that's done from analyst forecasts. It also shows a transition of the, those forecasts on um, from two thousand. You can sort of see a, a two thousand and seventeen earnings, and then two thousand and eighteen earnings, and they're the very very light lines. And so um, yeah, it's basically taking a little bit more of one and a little bit less of the other, and and, and gives us this this trend. And and what I like to to see in that is 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 where is that trend going, and and how volatile is that trend? So Apple's earnings are actually a bit more volatile than you. Than you might think, mm, uh, and, okay. and especially from an analyst perspective, it's actually relatively hard to forecast. Um, you know, it, it's not uncommon to see uh, analyst forecast change by 20, 30, 40 percent over a year in terms of the, the, the numbers they're expecting. Mm-hmm. And you can see in that over the last sort of ten years, there's been two pretty big um, humps, and then and then down um, in terms of the earnings. So where, where analysts have basically expected a lot of earnings and then those of earnings haven't eventuated and we've seen a lot of downgrades and right. then off it's gone again and yep. then another and then got in front of themselves again and then then downgrades happened and so that is the issue part of the reason why apple does trade a bit cheaper than um than, than a lot of the other stocks is because uh there is a lot of uncertainty in terms of the earnings and uh analysts haven't tended to be that good at um at, at coming up with forecasts that, that, that the company then meets okay um you know it, they can you know get 10, 15% in front of the actual earnings before pulling back. So, um, yeah, so it's just sort of one thing to, um, well, I guess it, you know, the Apple yeah, earnings aren't as steady as what we see elsewhere. I've got Google and Facebook together uh, just because I, I tend to think of the, uh, the the two of these as as, as direct competitors to each other in, in, in that advertising space and very similar in terms of their, their drivers. So they're both selling advertising in different ways, but, but they're both selling advertising and so um, very similar companies. Uh, the um yeah and sorry just to just to put that in in context for for google so google is the um so so the stock is now called alphabet alphabet yeah yeah and and it it owns google plus it owns all the other uh sort of things that's doing the self-driving cars and and um nest and a whole bunch of other sort of home automation type things and and 
and YouTube and 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 yeah. Shout out to YouTube. Shout out to YouTube. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we're broadcasting on today, but anyway. Um, uh, so looking at Alphabet, yeah, yeah. So both both Alphabet and Facebook rate as very high quality. They both earn great margins. Uh, they've got uh, high returns on equity. Uh, they um, uh, they are. Um, quite steady in terms of the earnings you, you get out of both of them. Uh, obviously, we've seen a, a, a big wobble from, from Facebook last week where mm. uh, Facebook fell sort of 20-odd percent in terms of the share price based on, on, on analysts pulling back the numbers. But, you know, the what it was was about analysts pulling back from sort of 35% growth to, to 20-something percent growth. Sure. So, yes, it was it was it's bad in terms of the big picture of, yeah, it's terrible that your you, earnings have been downgraded by so far. But the, when you take two steps back and go, well, the company's still growing twenty percent per annum, <laughs> um, it's not a it's not a sad story. Yeah, gotcha. Um, I think that the thing for for both those stocks for me is um, they are um, is sort of shown on this next page. So I've got a chart here which is just showing the some of the advertising spend um, PC versus TV versus mobile, mm-hmm. and uh, it's over you know sort of like fifteen. 15 years and so in it's remarkable two, isn't it yeah the 2000s sort of 90 something percent was on tv and now we're back to sort of under 50 percent and still shrinking and falling fast yeah mm. and so this, the question for me is um for both these stocks uh there, there's there's individual issues in terms of your you're saying okay well uh, you know there's privacy issues with it with with um with both companies um there's antitrust issues with both companies there's um and that could be quite a big one, though. Do you think the you know the governments love a bit of antitrust every now and then when they're dealing with a superpower vis-a-vis sort of Microsoft in the past? Yeah. Um, you know, Europe and the treatment of um, Google. Google, absolutely. Yep. Um, and I guess to think to put these, some of these into context as well, um, these. Yes, it's an issue. Yes, yes, there there are individual issues. I guess for me, the bigger issue is: uh, do I expect that TV ad spend to keep transitioning online? And I say yes, absolutely. Uh, I'd also expect that you'll get further transitioning online from mag- any you know, residual magazine spending, um, newspaper spending, yep. um, possibly radio. Radio is not holding up, not too bad compared to the others. But but um, there is this element of. Uh, Things are shifting online. There's still a lot to, to be shifted on. And the question, once you're going online, is, okay, I've, I've just taken a million dollars out of my um, TV budget because people aren't watching as much TV anymore, and I want to put it online. Uh, Who do I give it to? Net, <laughs> Net, Netflix isn't showing ads, yep. so I'm not giving it to Netflix. Where do I stick it? Yep. yep. And, and, and outside of going to sort of a whole bunch of smaller players, um, yeah, the default for most people is is Google and, and, and Facebook. Facebook. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And so, for me, it's a, a question about um, you know it's a rising tide in in that market. Um, we've got two boats that are sitting on there, and and whether the boats have their own issues, and you need to make sure they're not the boats aren't ending up with holes in the bottom and and all that type of stuff. Yep. But but generally speaking, that that market is very attractive to me. Yep. Um, and there's no other boats. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, the rest of the boats are pretty small. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. You sort of you got a few rowboats around, and then you got a couple of yachts. Yeah. And so it's a question about you know do I want to try and yeah, I think I've probably taken that analogy yeah. <laughs> as far as I, as far as I can without. Um, so so yeah, for, so for me, um, both those stocks is, is a question about saying now um, high quality, uh, not particularly cheap, but obviously uh, Facebook is a lot cheaper than it was um, last week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the start of last week. Uh, 
So from from a Google perspective, um, would, would Google be a little bit safer because of the diversification factor? In, yeah, in a sense, like the look Facebook. Look Facebook, obviously. Um, it was a it was a headline figure, and there was a lot built into it that then came sounded like came rushing out. Yeah, um, would that sort of sit sit on the same? Like Facebook doesn't have a drive, driverless car sort of division. It doesn't have all these other areas that you know. It's yeah, Google R&D. doesn't make much money from all these other ones. It does have yeah. a bit of diversification, but sure. but but what Facebook does have is uh, Facebook's got um, some other platforms that are sort of Instagram and and. Um, uh, the chat one, which is completely escaped hey, what's, me. WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Yep. Um, that are actually quite successful, uh, and so there are other ways. I guess, I guess it's not. Um, I'd say they're both sort of not particularly diversified. They both make the bulk of their money from one area, and they've got a few interesting side side projects that, yep, that okay. might end up being something. Yep. Um, so yeah, so I guess still roughly can be looked in the same yeah, through the same. I mean, lens. certainly we've got more Google in our portfolio yep. than what we do Facebook. Um, we've actually only just recently bought Facebook. Funny so, that when it falls twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So um, yeah, just an attractive, attractive look. I mean, we had a pretty close look at it uh, in um, in earlier on in the year when all all the stocks took a big tumble and there was the, the Cambridge Analytica uh, stuff came out and um, didn't end up buying it then, not because we had any particular concerns about it more just because um there was so much stuff that was sort of had, had fallen and it was a choice of what to buy at the time yep. but um yeah so, so for my for mine facebook has got um it's also doing a bit of stuff in the in the tv uh, on the video streaming side which i'm which i'm quite interested in seeing whether they're you know they, they can actually grow something in that area because that's to me the next biggest uh issue for, for both these guys is uh if you've got a, a netflix and um Google's got its YouTube and, and Facebook's obviously shows a lot of very short videos and is now trying to trying to show longer videos. Is that you know do, do we see that uh, more advertising dollar ends up ends up on on some of those? Yeah, okay, sure thing. And I guess yeah, uh, fascinating new um, side project I saw with Facebook is they're looking at getting into the dating scene, which um, which is interesting because we've got some young blokes in our office and they seem to spend a lot of time on another dating app. So there's there's market share to be taken there. And of course, the flip side of um, meeting up with a lady is then. Uh, is in watching some Netflix, so maybe that's a good segue to shift across <laughs> into, to into the next week. Yes, <laughs> anecdotal uh, evidence that I'm, I'm sure there's uh, plenty of opportunity there for Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Net- Netflix uh, doesn't look as good on a, on either quality or value um, under my measurements. I think there's there's other people that that come up with with much better valuations and so what what that means for me is it's it sits sort of in my my upper right hand corner which is it's not cheap and it's and it's not good quality uh it's is growing its sales quite quickly and it is i mean it's a great product mm. um i it's the um cheaply priced it's it's um people are, are signing up you know uh, all over the world to uh to get access to it so so it's got lots and lots of positives in terms of growth. It's the earnings side that's um, that's very hard to see for me. Okay. And so the question there is, they are sort of a, they're not a huge, they're certainly a big player, but they're, they're not sort of the, the biggest in the, in the market. Um, they've got uh, Google and Facebook both with very profitable divisions, which are helping to fund their, their video sides. Mm. Um, they have, they're also, um, I guess, uh, fighting against all the the uh, people who are trying to keep their existing revenue streams, so you've got all the uh, all the major media companies and and major uh, studios and, and things like that, saying, well, we're not going to let you have this contact content, and we will let you have this other content. So they're sort of those guys are, are 
are sort of in two minds about, yes, I'd like to sell stuff to, to um, Netflix, Netflix, but sure. I don't want to become beholden to them and, and lose out, you know, and, and see them producing all their own stuff. And so maybe I'll better withhold some of my library so that I can stick it on a different service. There does and, seem to be a bit of that around though, doesn't there? When you, when you scroll through Netflix, it's quite binary between, you know, to the point of where there's sequels of some movies and, and not the originals, which right. drives me insane because I look around for the original, but I think it was made by, well, perhaps licensed through a different arm and, and, and those guys aren't good friends with Netflix. So therefore, you know, you yeah. Mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, Anchorman, I'll throw that one in there. If you think, <laughs> don't try and watch that one on Netflix, but anyway, um, yeah, very yeah, good. And so it does sit in that top. That, that so that is that is you know effectively uninvestable in terms of our model. That in terms right? of our model, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So you basically got to take a. You basically and and it's not uninvestable from a you know for everyone, but for, from our model it is because we can't see whether we can't see the value and we can't see the quality within it. Sure. You can see where and it's priced for success that that hasn't actually occurred yet. So uh, they're the ones where where people have to make the decision is no, I think these are these guys are actually going to beat out all the other media, movie studios and the media companies and they'll manage to get away from YouTube and face whatever Facebook's trying to do on, on the internet and these guys are going to be the king. And if that's your view, then then there's probably an argument to, to, to buy the stock. Sure. Um, I would argue it's already priced as if it's it's going to be yep. in that spot. And, sure. and I, I don't think it's as certain as, as that. And so, um, yeah, one of, the, um, one of the things, one of the key things you've got to try and work out is... Um, with this company, if you flick to the next one now, apologies for this. That I've, I've put up a um, yeah, a, slide of, a, slide a slide of, of figures. numbers, yeah, well which, done. Um, no, nobody ever wants to see. <laughs> but um, the key behind that is, is you look at the uh, I've got like a, an income statement where you look through and you, you look at the sales and you go, yeah, sales are growing quite nicely. Uh, you look through the earnings and you go, well, they're making money out of this thing, so, so that all looks pretty good. Uh, then you get to the cash flow part and you say, well, just a minute, how come they're making a profit but their operating cash flow has been negative for the last few years and analysts forecasting that it's going to keep being negative? Mm, okay. um, and then there's CapEx as well on top of that. And so, and that's the part where um, uh, the biggest issue that, that sort of my, all my models have with Netflix is that you need to make this assumption about how to value the content. And mm. they're basically saying, well, we'll, we'll spend some money on content. We'll then, um, some of that will expense in the current year. A lot of it will stick onto our balance sheet and, and um, you know, we'll, we'll amortize that over time. Sure. Um, because it's this asset. We've just, you know, we've just filmed, filmed another one of Stranger Things and that's a great asset. And it's going to sit on our balance sheet and that's going to be worth lots of money to us for, for years and years and years. Mm. Um, so... It's an interesting question. I'm sort of I tend to fall on these bits as look, show me the cash. I'd like to see I'd like to see real money coming in and, and the fact that you're not you don't need to keep gearing up every year. Yep. Um and, and T V programs you can spend a lot of some of them you can spend a lot of money on and, and make nothing and, and other ones you can spend very little on and make a fortune out of. Absolutely. So yeah. um the actual cost of making it may or may not be that that um relevant to, to, to how you want to account for it. Yep, yep. So okay. um, yeah, so Netflix. Um, you know, if you, if you like the sales growth and you like reported profits, then then this is a stock for you. Um, if you like cash flow, then um, you better uh, better look elsewhere. Sure. Okay. Very but, good. Yeah. Again, not a not a not a reflection upon will they be the winner or not. It's more just that they're already priced as if they're going to win. Fair enough. No, no, that makes perfect sense. Okay, so uh, and now we're rolling into the other A in uh, the other A. That's stocks, right. So Amazon. There we go. Get it right finally. Um, yeah. And uh, once again, we've got our, our graphs up from our uh, analyst reports that are available through the Nucleus Wealth Client Portal. Yeah. So the thing for um, for Amazon is 
it's not good value. Uh, so it is very expensive on a, a whole range of measures, but but it's been it's always been expensive. Um, the reason why it's always been expensive is because it keeps its margins very low on the uh, on the grocery on the uh, the retail selling side uh, in order to uh, expand its market share. And the way people tend to value Amazon uh, is that they will they will look at Amazon and say, okay. Here's how much they're doing in sales. Uh, we know their margins are very, very low. If their margins increase from the current level to uh, a new level, uh, you know, a, a more a, a level that's somewhere between uh, their current margins and, and margins that other people earn, then all of a sudden they'll be making all this money and uh, they'll be worth a hell of a lot more. So the question is, uh, you know, is that true or not? And so uh, for years and years and years, we've seen that the um, We've seen that the Bezos is keeping margins low. Like the, the whole idea is that it wants to keep expanding and keep expanding. And, and so will one day you be able to milk those margins or, or are you stuck with these margins? And if, and if you actually, if they go and put their margins up, um, competitors will jump in and, and um, force them back down again. And, and, and that was always the, the fascinating thing with Amazon. You know, look, I've been buying things off Amazon since the late 90s, I reckon. I first came across mm-hmm. Amazon. Um, and, you know, you always knew it was there. Everyone knew what it was, but no one seemed to have invested in it because they're like, well, it doesn't make any money. It doesn't have any profit and all the rest of it. And, and meanwhile, Bezos is just heading for world domination and well, there's quietly. Been, yeah, and there's been lots of competitors. But the, the interesting thing for Amazon is not um, from a... From a uh, from the way I look at these things, is is not the current numbers because the current numbers are actually that uh, they are transitioning and the quality is getting a lot better than it was. Like if I looked at if I showed you this same chart from um, a few years ago, um, it, it would have been poor quality and poor value. Whereas now it's back to average quality and and um, and poor value. Okay. The reason why is their AWS servers, and I've got another chart to sort of show for, for these. And this is just sort of showing operating margin by, by different segments. And so we've got three different bits. You've got your North America, yep, where they're making these these low, um, you know, somewhere between zero and, and 5% margin on, on their selling uh, goods over via their, their Amazon site. Um, international, where they're losing money on mar- uh, from, a, um, from a margin perspective. Uh, and then so... So that that sort of helps often if you if you look at it those ways because you, you can break out and say well if they if they just ditched all the international then you know the company would be worth this much yep and then you can try and ascertain a value to, for the for the North America yep because if you put those two together it's basically saying well if I they cancel each other out almost yeah you get it. a little bit cancelling out and then you start you're saying well I'll pay less for it whereas whereas the reality might be you know the the, the North American business is, is quite is profitable and so you know quite quite valuable. The interesting part is this, this AWS, and so for anyone who's who hasn't used it before, it's basically um, a way you can set up um, servers on on the cloud and use other use the computing power up there. And so, if you think about most people's computers, and especially now um, compared to you know, your computer today versus what it was 15 years ago, is is many times um, more powerful, and it spends most of its life sitting on your desk doing very very little, mm. um, and so the idea behind the Amazon cloud is if you, if you get computers up there and people are using them at different times of the day and, and, and things like that, then uh, you're you basically it. sharing, like you, you're yeah. improving utilization. So rather than using 5% of your, your computer's capacity, you're using 5% of the capacity of, of a computer on the cloud 
and there's the, 19 other people also using 5%. Just rent, so, renting out the, re- the remainder sort of thing. Yeah, so you get it much cheaper. Yep. And my, my story for this is um, I helped to start a, a research firm, Aegis Equities, in uh, 1999, and we... Uh, we went through this whole setup of databases and we needed the da- database administrator and you needed uh, multiple versions of it and and big uh, room of computers yeah the building we were in wasn't set up properly for uh air conditioning because it was an older building at the time and so we had, somebody had to come in every every weekend and 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 replace the, the water from the portable air conditioning unit <laughs> uh it was somebody's job to take home uh tapes this is sort of a startup bit there's sort of only 15 20 of us so you know somebody's job to take home tapes every night to make sure that uh, if something went wrong, we had backups, and we mm-hmm. needed another server sitting next to it. So if if that one went down, we we could switch. Like the whole the whole setup was hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. Yeah, per, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the first setup, but and probably you know 150 or so as an operating cost. You know, uh, uh, as a running thing. Um, whereas we've set up um, Nucleus Wealth. Uh, all on Amazon servers, got way, way better um, everything. <laughs> Shout out to Bezos for that. Thank yeah, you. all the backups and everything like that are all done for you. You can just bring up new servers as, as fast as you want. You pay for everything by the minute. Yep. And now we're paying, rather than hundreds of thousands of dollars, we're, we're lucky to be paying thousands of dollars. Mm. You know, some, some months it's, it's hundreds of dollars. Yep. So, um, yeah, the, it's just chalk and cheese the, um, and, and the amount of money you can save on that. And, so, on, and on top of that, they ring you up occasionally and, and try and figure out how they, how they can save you money as well, which was a yeah, nice touch. Yeah, that's right. We had a nice little visit from them. And, and, and they're not the only player in that market. So there, there, are other, there are lots of others, but they are the biggest and they do have um, the, some of the, the, the most well-integrated software. And they're making, as you can see um, from, from the chart up there, sort of 25% margins on that. Unbelievable. And that's growing quite quickly. So, so I guess where I was trying to get to from, it's a, it's a long, long story to get back to those numbers is that the numbers you're looking at aren't really Amazon's whole story. If you separated the two out, what you'd find is you go, um, I've got this quite very high quality um, uh, division that's, that's growing in terms of cloud computing and, and everything like that. And then I've got this uh, US part, which is actually it's just not too bad quality. Um, it's a little bit volatile in terms of the earnings. Uh, it's probably largely by choice because they want to grow quickly, um, part for the, um, for the US operations. And then I've got a very low quality international where we're losing money, uh, draining every year. And so the, the, the real question for Amazon is, you know, when you add those three parts together, um, I think what we're doing here is, is not right in terms of um, you, you need to look at those three parts individually mm. and try and work out values for them independently and then try and come back to it. Yep. And when we do that, um, it looks better. Okay. Um, I still can't justify an investment, but it's... Um, it's far closer when I do it that way than, than if I try and look at the whole thing as, as an aggregate. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, okay. And it is, it is very much a question in, in the retail side is, um, you know, are they the category killer and, and will they actually manage to, if they can get the same success that they get worldwide as what they've got in the US, yep. then you know, that makes a, makes a huge difference to, to a whole bunch of things within, within Amazon. So interesting, um, you know, certainly keep an eye on it, um, but... The, my biggest thing for that is you should be dividing it into those sort of three segments at least just to get a, a feel for, for how much this stock's really worth. Mm, okay. No, thanks for that. That was that was a really good deep dive into Amazon. And it's just amazing, um, you know, the different components, I guess, that come into something that, you know, I think everyone knows as a, you know, as a place you go to for cheaper goods or, you know, more range and all the rest of it. And, of course, they've got this whole other back end. Um, yeah. But, oh, and plus they've got videos they're doing as well. And so, and that's yep. just one more of those ones I spoke about Netflix. I didn't mention with Netflix, you know, Amazon's got a competitor as well to, to them. So, yeah, lots of... Um, 
those things. Very good. Okay, so we'll jump across to the bats. Uh, so the Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent. Yeah. Young upstarts to the um, to the growth game. Do you think, or they're um, established yeah, so players that have just sort of. So hit. these aren't in our universe because we, we we're sort of stuck with the not stuck. We, we, sorry, we can invest in some of these ones if we if we want to. Um, it's not. It's it's outside our benchmark. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that. It's not the type of stocks we'll typically invest in. Uh, the, so I thought what I'd do is rather than run, rather than sort of do the deep dive into these, I'd sort of run through the, the because they've all got the same issues and they've all, they're all, it's, it's, um, it's quite similar within the market. So the, so the three big ones within the Chinese market, um, you can think of Beidou as the Chinese Google. Uh, it's also got a stake in the, the Chinese version of Netflix. It's, okay. it's out there doing autonomous cars. It's sort of on a similar valuation to Google, sort of mid twenty times, um, and so and and I've got a chart up here that sort of shows which ones they each one of these play in. Um, Tencent is sort of like a Chinese Facebook, Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually very big in in gaming as well, so it's more of an entertainment side. It's got a um, it's got a music version, so it's sort of sort of like your um, uh, uh, Spotify, Spotify type, yep, okay. type, type thing as well. Yes, uh, they're big in cloud computing. Um, but I guess I'd, I'd think about Beidou as being more the search version, um, Tencent as being more the entertainment side, um, although it does have a very big payment system. And, uh, and we'll come back to that in a sec. Alibaba is then more like a bit of a Chinese Amazon with a Facebook and a, and a bit of Netflix. <laughs> and a bit of eBay. Thrown and a bit of eBay. <laughs> thrown thrown in. Yeah, yeah that's right. I guess I'm thinking of when I'm saying Amazon, it's sort of like Amazon slash eBay. So it's selling. Its main one is, is is digital commerce, I guess, is where it certainly started from. Yep. Is is selling things and, and being an intermediary. Yep. Being um, a shop, essentially a shop front like like um, eBay. Yeah. yeah. But it has expanded uh, that into to all these other areas. So so as you can see through um, through this chart, they've all got a little bit of video uh, streaming. They've all got a little bit of search um in the payment system so payment in china is very much gone online um and onto oh, sorry not online uh gone mobile so mm-hmm. paying by either uh alipay or wechat pay is huge oh it's massive I, look a mate of mine has been living in china for 10 years now he hasn't had a wallet for five you yeah. know he you know it's all it's all phone based everything's just q codes walks into a you know into a restaurant q code orders it through the app they, mm-hmm. they don't even have a cashier anymore in a lot of these restaurants yeah you know? well the one <laughs> i love is that beggar on their signs will give you their little thing so if you want to if you want to donate money to people if you see someone on the street um, because nobody's got cash on them anymore yep you've, you've got their little QR code so you can actually make a donation to the you know the, yeah. the homeless person on the street type stuff it's just, yeah looking in the future really isn't it as far as um, the payment system goes for for everybody else potentially. yeah absolutely and so that's a huge part of it um, and then, 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 then the digital commerce of all. Oh, sorry, mainly, mainly Alibaba, but um, also uh, Tencent's got a little bit in that area as well. So they're all very interesting and all very exciting. But the, the key bit comes bound to all these guys is can they expand outside of China? Mm. And to date, they haven't been successful. Um, Tencent's got the had the best one. They've they're um, got a big part of Fortnite, which yep. if anyone has a teenage child, <laughs> uh, they will know about Fortnite. Mm. Um, that's where you lose your teenage child to for, for hours and hours every week. Yep. Anyone who hasn't quite seen it yet and has kids, it's coming very soon. Free, free childcare, everybody. No. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> With a, at a price, perhaps, but anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, uh, that's, so X that, though, um, there are lots of issues in terms of what they're trying to do. So 
uh, I think there's there hasn't been much take for for people to search on on any of these search engines yet. Uh, most of the most of it came because uh, well not most of it. Uh, a large part of their success came because uh, the Chinese government did protect them from was, from competition. I was just going to say there, there's obviously a, a potential for some umbrella of the Chinese uh, party, I guess, essentially that may not exist in other markets. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't exist in other markets. Yeah, exactly. Now, now Japan um, is is not a bad analogy for this. In mm. the um, in the 60s, uh, they sort of protected a lot of their, their car market mm-hmm. and sort of built up this quite competitive car market between uh, the big Toyotas and Nissans and 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 um, uh, high, uh, Hondas to sort of you know and then one and then sort of release those to the world and 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 they were quite successful in terms of you know you built up you protect them a bit you built them up into a strong market internally and then you release it to the world and, and next thing you know they're they're global companies that are that are competing with the rest of the world. Sure thing. Now the question is: Can China, has China been able to do the same thing? They're certainly protected, and, and there's issues with you know Google generally doesn't. Um, it's very hard to get Google within China, and so people yep. don't use it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Facebook, same the same thing. So people have ended up on a different a different uh, network there. Um, the social media, you know, you basically the social media ones where everyone else is. If I'm using a a chat system that everyone's using, then then everyone else graduate graduates to that one. So a lot of these are sort of these these single um, single player. Like everyone graduates to the winner, and 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 the losers sort of end up a long way behind. Yep. Um, can you expand that to the rest of the world? Is hard to see. Um, the the flip side is then you've got you know you, you've got your Trump issues outside of China. So so internally you're protected, but outside you've got. Um, that uh, China's now is it Trump's coming up and saying, well, a lot of this technology, forced technology transfer, and, and now there's a bit of pushback in terms of that. There's a lot of pushback against some of the big uh, telco companies in terms of Huawei and um, uh, some of the other ones in terms of and ZTE was the other one, uh, just in terms of the way they've been dealing with it and whether they're actually just an arm of the Chinese government and and you know can governments use those to to put in. Um, their infrastructure, their infrastructure. And, yeah, 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 sure. Uh, so the so the question for that is, um, you know, these guys might be Beidou, Tencent, Alibaba might be very big in in say the uh, the online um, digital storage of, of data and all that type of stuff. But are there many foreign companies that, that are going to be comfortable saying yes, I'll put this on a Chinese server rather than on an Amazon server? Yep, yep. Um, so it comes, yeah. So it comes down to a sort of a. Um, a data integrity sort of um, play. An interesting thing that just sort of jumped into my mind there was: um, is, there, is there an opportunity? Obviously, if we think about exactly what you're saying, so these these are big companies. They've they've got quite innovative products. You know, great um, uh, penetration into into the local market, and they're probably not going to see outside of the local market. Is sort of um, strikes me as a, some semblance to perhaps our Aussie banks, <laughs> in a sense that mm. they've got, um, you know, they're, they're in a, a you know monopolistic sort of oligopolistic sort of setup. Yep. Um, they're quite profitable. They're, mm. they, they're, they're quite sheltered from, um, you know, from their internal market problems or, you know, any competitors. They're probably not going to do too well outside of, you know, Australian soils we've seen already where they're all pulling back. Yep. Um, so if... Say, for example, these companies decide to start just paying big dividends or going down that path. Is that, you know, is that is that potentially where they might become investable? Yeah. So they're yeah, not, a, you know... I mean, a, most of them are quite are expanding quite rapidly into, you know, things like autonomous cars. I think they've all got something in autonomous cars. Yeah, um, sure. And, and some of these other, you know, basically, if, if you see Google or Alphabet 
sort of expanding to one area, chances are there's there's one of these popping up in in China as well. Yep. And and whether they just get bought out by these guys because they're all the big players in the industry or not. Um, so you could certainly see that. It depends on will they go into a harvesting mode. So yep. I, I suspect in the in the short term probably not. It's mm-hmm. probably more about the um, the growth the growth yeah, element. Yep. Sure. Uh, there's certainly stuff, a lot of stuff happening in, in big data, a lot of stuff happening in, in sort of facial recognition and, and sort of these artificial intelligence type of things. And the Chinese government's very keen to use that technology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's possibly, um, uh, you might find these guys or your new um, defense contractors of the, of, the, of the future, if you know what I mean. So yep, yep. It, used, it used to be that if I made planes, uh, then I got tapped on the shoulder by the US to say, okay, now come make some jets for me to so I can fight my wars. Yep. Um, if you're really good in, in AI um, and you, your company's very good in AI, is going forward, you'll be tapped on the shoulder to say, right, now we want you to come and help us hack this or, 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 yeah. or prevent this from being hacked or whatever it is. Or just give us your data. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I think there's a there's an element of that. So there's certainly an, an, there's a very interesting market for it. The other side though is that uh, it is worth noting that um, the Chinese regulatory you know you, you're regulated from from that perspective, but uh, you know the market can give and it, and it can also take away. Regulators can so so the question about you know will the regulators keep um, keep at it? Okay, um, sure thing. Um, all right, very good. So we might just uh, dive into the the wrap up. Um, and uh, sorry, there we go. So, um, kicking us off, we've got don't confuse uh, a quality stock with a value stock. Is it or the quality, the theme of quality with value? Yeah. So, the, so the, the the bit I'm trying to get here is when you look at a company and you and you look and you, you you can see a great future for it, and you can see how it's going to grow, and you can see all these fantastic things it's doing. Don't then extrapolate that out to say, okay, this company, you know, this therefore the share price will double or triple. Okay. Um, you might see their profits double or triple, but um, their profits can double or triple and the share price can go nowhere because um, you know, it slows down and, and, and the price is, it's already priced into the, the, yeah, the, okay. the stock. So sure. it all comes back to, to what are you paying for it. If you're paying for a company that is priced as if it's going to succeed already, it needs to you know, super succeed or you know, it needs to do better than expectations for it to to be um, to, for you to make money from an investment. Makes sense. And so, yeah, the key thing keep with all these stocks, growth stocks, just keep remembering everyone. All the thing everyone always stuffs up on is they always overpay for for for, for growth. So um, there will be a few stocks which will be ballistic, but you need to make sure you're you either picking the right ones or, or taking a, bet, a few bets in within. Yep, a bit of diversification that makes sense. And then trying to come up with this idea, this margin for safety that. You know, if I can look at a stock and and go, uh, and that's been the case for Apple for the last few years. In that, in that we've been looking at Apple, saying, well, okay, uh, if it's trading on sort of um, between ten and fifteen times, so below, well below what the market multiple is, uh, and I can get the, um, I can get access to this Apple, and I can get, I can buy the stock, and even if earnings slow down or, or it goes back to just a normal company, then then I'm I'm actually happy with that as a as an investment. I'm not sort of buying it because I'm expecting it to to, to shoot the lights out. Yep, that makes it a lot easier. Okay, and so um, yeah, I'd be looking at at those. You know, my 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 broad brush of the fangs is to say, well, look, Apple's got a little bit of margin of safety. Uh, the big issue with Apple is, um, will it turn into a BlackBerry or Nokia where one day it's the king of the world and the next thing nobody wants it anymore? Yep. So that's your, your key one to watch for Apple. 
Um, in terms of your uh, Facebook and, and Google, it's all about that advertising spend for the, you know, making sure they don't stuff up really badly within their own markets mm -hmm. and they, they, they get regulators or, 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 or people breaking them up or, or taking things away from them. But will they keep getting into that whole rising tide of more and more money shifting online and just ending up with them because there's nowhere else to spend it? Yep. Um, and, and my good example for that as well, I, I forgot to mention earlier, is you know, Facebook is roughly increasing its, its, its revenue by about $15 billion per year for mm -hmm. the last few years and, and, and looking forward, even with the lower growth rates. Yep. Um, that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if you need to spend 3 or $4 billion of that to, to hire a whole bunch more journos to, to go through your, your, your Facebook feeds and, and get rid of fake news, yep. um, you've got a bigger journalist force than, than most of the uh, yeah. newspapers put together in Combined. the world. Combined, yeah. So, yep, yep. yeah. Um, so that was our Facebook and, and Google. And then um, we get down to... Um, Netflix and... Netflix, which is in a tough area, um, you've got to make a, an assumption that, that they're going to be the winner and they're going to get away from a lot of these other bigger players. And then Amazon, um, separate it out, make your assessment on those those individual assets because uh, all lumped together, I think you're getting a fake, or not a fake, a, a distorted view of what's really going on at the uh, at the underlying levels. Fantastic. Okay, very good. Um, and so uh, if you'd like to uh, get the power of uh, what we've spoken about today in your portfolio and, of course, uh, access to those uh, incredible uh, analyst reports that are available for every stock or every uh, holding in uh, a typical nucleus wealth portfolio, stay tuned for these messages. Nucleus Wealth and the Macro Business Fund was put together to help give you access to quality, well-researched stock analysis and superior macroeconomically-minded asset allocation. We use technology to help us provide a service typically only available to high net worth and sophisticated investors at a fee level that rivals the more basic solutions available to these everyday investors. We do this by using separately managed accounts, which allows clients to enjoy unparalleled transparency in what they own and why. It also means that each client effectively owns their own separate and discrete share portfolio, which is managed by us. We have partnered with Linear Asset Management, who are backed by the ANZ Bank for Cash Management, and JP Morgan, one of the biggest banks in the world, as custodian of your assets. We feel that this structure is the gold standard for your financial protection. In addition to this, we offer 19 separate and individual ethical screens that you can use to help tailor your investment. To ensure that your money is not being used to support companies that deal in areas and practices that you feel are important. By eliminating the areas that are only important to you, you keep the potential for higher returning areas that you might otherwise be ambivalent about. And these would typically be ruled out in broader ethical products currently available in the market. The name Nucleus comes from our ability to provide the core holdings of a client's portfolio, allowing them the time to explore areas that may be of interest or they may have experience in. We also offer a complete investment solution for those who don't have time to coordinate their own investments. Our investment team has decades of experience in world markets and we have access to a global team of stock analysts. By removing the layers of middlemen that typically sit between your money and the markets, we've been able to reduce fees and provide unparalleled transparency in the solution we provide. For more information on what we can do for you, please call 1300 623 863 or contact us through www.nucleuswealth.com. 
Yes, so uh, looking to next week now, uh, we, uh, of course, have just passed this week our first year as, uh, as well, our first uh, 12 months of managing client money. So we thought we uh, we might put together a quick little run through uh, and rather than looking backwards, of course, because as investment managers, you should always be looking forward. But the, uh, the results have been fantastic. Head over to our Nucleus Wealth site and check out the uh, latest performance report, which will be coming out in the next couple of days. Um, but we, we're looking at uh, potentially looking forward into the markets as, as we should do uh, and so we're going to be running through some of the key areas that uh, are of focus for, at Nucleus Wealth and uh, ways that we can of course as always uh, return uh, great return or provide great returns for our clients uh, so that's Thursday the 9th of August same bat time same bat channel 12.30pm uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time head over to proton.nucleuswealth.com uh, to register your interest for that one as always, we are available on iTunes and wherever you get your quality podcasts from on Android. Podcast Addict is, is one uh, that jumps to mind. Uh, just uh, search for either Nucleus Insights or Nucleus Wealth to find uh, this podcast and, of course, or this webinar and uh, all of our prior ones. And just finally, thanks for attending. We will be sending out, as always, a survey to give us, uh, it'll give you the opportunity to give us some feedback on how we've gone today and, uh, of, of course, provide any new ideas or topics that you'd like to uh, hear about uh, and we can put those together and deliver those for you in, in subsequent weeks. So on that note, thanks very much for tuning in and uh, I've certainly got plenty out of today. I think that was fantastic and uh, we look forward to catching you at the next one. Cheers.